This is Indie Business Podcast, Episode 67. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Indie Business Podcast. I'm your host, mentor, and coach, Donna Maria, the founder and CEO at Indie Business Network and the hostess of the Indie Cruise Retreat and the Maker Mastermind Business Incubator. My goal is to help you build a solid business foundation, increase your income, and use your business to create the life you love. In this episode, I will introduce you to Sandy Angles of the Purple Sage in Ethel, Louisiana. Sandy purchased her brand from another entrepreneur nine years ago, shortly after she discovered that her friends and family members were interested in buying the soap she had been making for fun. As you'll enjoy learning in this episode, Sandy is naturally introverted, but celebrates the fact that being a business owner has given her levels of confidence and self-esteem that she doesn't feel she would have achieved had she not been an entrepreneur. You can get a summary for this episode at IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash 67. I can't wait to introduce you to Sandy Ingalls of the Purple Sage in Ethel, Louisiana. But first, this podcast is brought to you by the Maker Mastermind Business Incubator, your opportunity to work with me personally in a small group setting to grow your business. Whether you're in the eMERGE phase, just getting started, or you are already on the move with your business into multiple income streams or a platform involving the Evolve phase, your individual Maker Mastermind experience can help you achieve more and stay on track. Doors are open now. Learn more and apply at MakerMastermind.com. And now let's welcome Sandy Engels of the Purple Sage in Ethel, Louisiana. Sandy Angles from the Purple Sage in Ethel, Louisiana. How are you today? Hey, Donna Maria. I am doing wonderful. And Sandy, where where are we talking to you from today? Where are you? Today, you have caught me in my home office, um, just coming off of a weekend, two weekends of doing festivals. So regrouping and sitting in the office today. Oh, festivals. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to hear more about that. We're going to dive into that in a bit because I know you do a lot of those. But Sandy, you are the founder and CEO at the Purple Sage. So let's start off with that story. Tell us a little bit about how you started your business and how long ago and all the juicy details of the journey up to this point. Oh my gosh. Um, So the Purple Sage goes way back um, pretty much to my childhood with purple being my all-time favorite color, and I can remember that as far back as about six or seven years old. Um, and so when I got into soap making, which was kind of a roundabout way, I actually went to a one-day aromatherapy seminar, and they made soap there. And that inspired me to um, dive into a hobby that I had never even experienced before. And at the time, I was really looking to help my son who had acne and uh, using the essential oils and stuff. And from there, I realized that the, um, the, the melt and pour that we were doing was just not creative enough. And I kind of laugh at myself when I say that because I've never considered myself a creative person. Um, but it sparked something in me, and I realized that I could really make soap and make it from scratch and put things in it that I wanted in it, the good skin, loving oils and butters, um, 
and and it just went from there. And thank God for the internet because that's where I learned most everything that um that I do was from <laughs> yes. the internet. And um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. And so, listen, um, for people who but, don't know, you mentioned Melton Poor. Um, and the difference between Mountain Pour and soap from scratch for people who don't know. Can you share what that difference is so they can really get a feel for why it sort of seems like that was a turning point in changing from being a hobbyist to a business owner? What, what's the difference and how did, how did that affect you? Okay. Um, Melton Pour is a base. It's a pre-made base that you buy and you literally cut it up, melt it, and pour it into the molds. Um, the process, I do cold process soap. So I gather all the different oils and butters that I want to use. I um, melt them down. I also, you know, you have to use um, lye, which is sodium. I, I can't think of the name of it right now. I'm sorry. But anyway, you mix these two together and it sodium creates hydroxide. a saponification process. Sodium hydroxide, thank you. It, it left me for a minute there. Um, but it, the saponification process starts before you actually pour it into the mold. So you're pouring it into the mold, then you can create fancy tops or you can leave it as is. And it's, it's, you have so much more control over your final product than you would with the um, melt and pour bases that we started with. Okay. Okay. So, so that was what was able to help you control things so that you could kind of make the soap that you wanted and not kind of be stuck with a base that someone else had created. Correct. And then, so how, how did that evolve into from, from you having fun and, you know, maybe making a product, you know, to help your son's skin to something that was actually a business? Cause I know you didn't, you actually purchased a business from someone else, right? Right, right. Um, I had already started making soap and um, the Purple Sage came up for sale. And because I love the name, I uh, pursued purchasing the the name and, um, excuse me, some of our formulas and what have you and took it from there. And that was what what transpired is, you know, you go from you making soap and you get excited about it and you can only take so many baths or showers um, <laughs> before you have to really start selling, <laughs> you know, and that's what my husband and my friends were saying, like, OK, we can only take so many baths. And then you realize you have a business on your hands if you choose to take it that route. Right, right. So how did you like how did you decide that? Because you'd never had a business before. And here you are with a product that's really good and people are liking it and it's super, super useful, but it's fun. Like it's fun for you. And when you turn it into a business, you know, I guess it still can be fun, but it's also something that you have to do as opposed to something that you decide you want to do on any given day. How did you make that leap from I'm going to do this for fun to I'm going to do this because people are like actually waiting to buy it and I need to produce it in certain quantities? Um, well, first of all, it still is fun because the the uh, making and creating part is still what I enjoy the most. So um, I do try to keep it fun. But I had always wanted to have a business, and I looked at it as if I can make take it from a hobby and make it a business, then I have something to look forward to uh, for retirement because I had been a stay-at-home mom 
you know, most of my adult life after I had kids. So I was really looking for something that would bring in a little revenue for myself as well as prepare for retirement. So it was an easy jump for me. Okay. Okay, good. So, so that was how many years ago too, Sandy? It's been a minute, right? (laughs) (laughs) A few minutes. Yeah. Um, That was back in 2000. I started making cold press soap in 2002 and I turned it into an actual business in 2011. So that's been eight years ago. It's been like eight years. So you have, you know, come, you know, that's a, that's a long period of time and congratulations because you know what the statistics are about businesses. So you have been doing this for eight years. Right, right. You're still, you say you're not creative, but we know that's not true, Sandy. And you're still really enjoying (laughs) most, yeah, the part about the business where you are actually being creative and actually making your product. So tell us a little bit about what it is that, you know, keeps you going. Like it's been eight years um, and you're you're moving forward in your business. Do you still enjoy it? Like are you just as excited as you were, you know, all those years ago today? I would have to say, for the most part, yes. Um, You know, it's like anything else. The newness does wear off. Um, But when you you go through the processes, you know, once you get past the hobby stage and it's fun, then you have to put um, procedures in place to keep the business moving forward. And once those are established, then it becomes fun again. but, you know, it's, it's that process. So that's, that's kind of what keeps it fresh is making sure the systems are in place mm-hmm. and that I do have time to be creative. Well, let's talk about that a little bit too, Sandy, because I always say that like the success is in the systems and we need to have systems in our businesses. So tell me a little bit about like what are your most trusted systems in your business? What do you rely on the most in terms of systems to make things happen? I am very old-fashioned, and so I have a planner that I keep everything recorded in, and that's what keeps me moving forward. I um, have attempted some of the digital um, things that keep keep you organized and what have you, and I just prefer pen and paper, so I use my planner religiously. So is that where you put all of your... Um, everything from the things that you make in your recipes to actually the systems like the marketing systems and, you know, all the other systems that you have in your business, are they all in a planner? But more about the marketing systems, social media, mm-hmm. uh, when I'm going to be making products and stuff, that goes in the planner. As far as recipes and things, again, very old-fashioned. I have a, a binder. In fact, I've, I've told my husband, if something happens to me, this white binder here is gold. Right, um, right. <laughs> do, do not right. let it out of your head. <laughs> That's so good, though, that you like have it one has all of you go, all your recipes. And so if you ever need yes. help or something, people can go see exactly what to do. So, you know, we have to ask, what's your favorite planner? Because it sounds like it's such an integral part of your business. What's your favorite? Which one do you use? Um, I use the passion planner. That Uh is my all time favorite. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. We've all heard of that. We'll make sure we put a, a note yes. in the show notes so people can know where they can go to get that. So Sandy, you talked about festivals. Tell us a little bit about your, the enjoyment that you get out of going to different festivals. Cause I know you're in Louisiana, but as I recall, just this past weekend, you were at a festival in Georgia, like a whole nother state. Do you do a lot of traveling to different festivals? Um, no, the one in Georgia is in North Georgia, and we are in Louisiana. I do that one. Um, it's the second and third weekend of October. So I enjoy that one probably the most because it's out of my element uh, as far as location. And uh, my husband usually comes with me, of course, because I do need help, but also so that we can take a little mini vacation between uh, those two festivals. Um, the rest of them are here pretty much in Louisiana. And, and the beauty of the festivals, uh, live events like that, is that you can meet uh, your clients face-to-face. You can describe the different products to them. They can also pick them up and smell them, touch them, you know. And, of course, that just it's, – it's the interaction there that you get that makes it fun. Okay, so Sandy, you just said like a million things that are so intriguing. That you, said. <laughs> you did because listen, you know, so many people are curious about some of these things. First of all, you said your husband helps you and he travels with you. Second of all, you said that yes. you like the face-to-face contact with your, with your customers and that interaction. And third of all, you said you turned it into a mini vacation. So these three things, you know, seem to me to you know, integrate together to make not only a successful business, but also an enjoyable lifestyle. Yes. Um, it's all about, as you always say, creating the lifestyle, creating your business around your lifestyle. And my husband and I do love to travel. We've, we've always loved to travel. So we get to incorporate that into the business part. That is, and, and he also helps you. Like, so is he like a helper when it comes to the packing and unpacking and putting up those booths and taking down those booths? Because I know that's a lot of work too. <laughs> Actually, um, he will tell you he is the heavy lifter. He will help put up the tent and mm-hmm. um, carry boxes. But when it comes to setting out product, he literally pulls his chair out, sits down, and does not help with that part. Um, because he says, I don't, he says that I tell him he doesn't do it right. But, you know, it's all about presentation. So if, and, and we, this is a running joke between us. If he sets a bar of soap down, I'm going to come back and move it just a quarter of a turn just to make sure it's perfect, you know. So um, we have a running joke about that. And, you know, people laugh at him because after he does the heavy work, he just sits back and watches me do the rest of it. So but, it you know, works that good is, for that us. Is so, that is so, um, it's, it's cute, first of all, because, you know, I love <laughs> stories of couples who are, um, you know, running their businesses together. And it's such a wonderful blessing when a spouse is helping the other spouse be successful in their business. Like that is just you know, I, I think that is just wonderful because not everyone has that. And it's a really, really good thing when you do. But I love that he yes. knows what he's good at and you know what you're good at. Let him do what he's good at and he lets you do what you're good at. It's like it's like a marriage and a business <laughs> made in heaven. 
Most days, yes. <laughs> I would have to Most agree. Days. Okay, yes. well, we're only going to focus on all the good stuff right here. So we know. We yeah, know yeah, sure. Wine and roses every day. But, um, but how great that he travels with you and you guys get to, you probably tour the cities and stuff together if you have time. I know festivals are a lot of work. So do you sometimes find yourself like mm-hmm. a day or two early or staying a little bit later so you can enjoy the sights in the city and have a little downtime together as a couple? Yeah, um, we will usually stay, um, like if the festival ends on a Sunday, we'll usually stay uh, sometimes Tuesday or Wednesday, just depending on what our schedules are, to um, check out the area a little bit more than just, you know, running to and from the festival. Right, right. So let me ask you this, because I've done festivals before, and they're like, like, not my thing. Um, so for our listeners, maybe some people who are new to entrepreneurship and they're, they are creative because we know you're creative, Sandy, or they're making things and there are festival opportunities everywhere. <laughs> Can you tell, tell us a little bit about um, like how, you know, w- what sort of constitution do you have to have to really be good at doing these kinds of festivals? And if like, if there's people out there thinking, you know, what kind of business model do I want to have? Do I want to do festivals or do I not? What would you tell them to consider before they commit to doing something like that? You really need to be aware of how, I'm just going to be perfectly honest. It's a lot of hard work doing festivals. Um, because, you know, if it's a one-day festival, you're setting everything up that morning and you're taking it down that afternoon. Two-day festivals, you know, you set up usually the day before and then you take down that the last day of the festival. So that in and of itself is a lot of hard work and it's a lot of heavy lifting. Um, but as far as a business model, if you enjoy the... Um, interacting with people and not always stay in in the studio or in the office. It's a great business model for someone who really loves to be out there and enjoys meeting people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when you look at your business, like from a percentage perspective, um, what percentage of your sales come from fairs as opposed to other uh, streams of income and, and opportunities like, like online or wholesale and what have you? Um, I would say a good 60% of my business comes from doing festivals. Um, and, and that, that is a lot of festivals per year. And I'm talking roughly for me, it's about, um, 30 festivals per year. Okay. That's a lot. Like, are they, are they, are they concentrated in certain times of year? Like I know, I know fall and holiday season is in like serious festival time. Like, so how many are in that season as opposed to the rest of the year, Sandy? The majority of them are in the fall, but we do have, uh, I do have a weekly setup that I do for, um, it's, it's in a small touristy town and the uh the steamboat comes down the mississippi river so that's the you know i consider that one of my festivals if if you will because i do have to set up and tear down so that's a weekly thing that runs from usually uh april through about the middle of july and then the actual festival season starts in um uh late september through the middle of december and how do you choose which festivals to do? Like, like, again, it's like there's so many to choose from. Do you have a certain type of 
like a demographic for the festival that you're looking for? Are they in certain states? Like, how do you pick which ones that you feel will be the most uh, successful for you? Well, I originally started out word of mouth when I started uh, looking at different uh, shows and festivals is, you know, where were people going to get a feel for things? Uh, The Apple Festival, that was just one that kind of fell into our lap because um, my daughter was up in uh, Georgia at chiropractic school. So we wanted to go visit with her. So we found a festival in that area. So um, a lot of it's word of mouth. A lot of it is looking at the demographics of what kind of customer that the festival brings in. How many people do they bring in? Um, is it indoor or outdoor? So there, you know, there's a lot of things to consider, but if it's one that doesn't appeal to your target audience, then there's really no need in doing something like that. And those sometimes you learn after the fact, even though you can ask all the right questions, you don't find out that until after you've done a show. And, you know, it's it's up to you to do it again or, you know, say, hey, cut your ties and move on to the next one. Okay. Okay. That must be, um, is that a lot of trial and error then? For me, it has been, yes. Okay. And so in addition to fairs, then you also sell online, you sell wholesale. Uh, tell us a little bit about, about how you manage those areas of the business as well. Are they a different percentage? Like if you divide, is it divided up into like three? You have, you have sales from fairs, sales from online, and sales from wholesale, right? So how is that divided up in your business? Um. Like I said, the the um, the fairs and festivals are about sixty percent, and then between wholesale and retail, it makes up the other forty percent. And um, my retail website actually probably is the bigger chunk of that forty percent. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. So you have a nice little. Um, organized system with your planner and everything of how you're how you're managing everything so like um, and you also I know you use social media like which social media outlet do you find is the best one for your business to you know generate a following and to generate sales leads uh, for the online portion of your business I use uh, Facebook and Instagram. Those are the two that I'm the most comfortable with, and that seems to be where my uh, uh, audience comes from. But the, it's, it's heavier on Facebook than Instagram. They seem to gravitate more there. Heavier on Facebook. Okay, and so that's interesting. Okay, so it's good that you know that, though, because that means that you concentrate most of your efforts on Facebook is that how you kind of, you know, work out, work that out? Right. Between Facebook and I uh, forgot to mention our newsletter that those okay. are, that's where I put most of my efforts. The newsletters are so important. What, what system do you use for your newsletters? Uh, currently I'm using MailChimp, but I am uh, switching over to Clavio. Oh, okay. Interesting. Now, why is that? Clavio has a it's it's a much more robust program. I'm just diving into it, so I I'm not a hundred percent familiar with it, mm-hmm. but it does seem to give you better reports, uh, better integration. Um, it does integrate with my Shopify website, whereas Mailchimp, um, they broke up earlier this year. So that's that's the other reason for switching over. And do you love Shopify? 
Yes, I do. It's it's one of the easiest user-friendly websites I've ever had. So Sandy, like what is your most favorite thing about having a business of your own? The personal growth that has come from owning my own business is something that I never expected. You know, most people tell you the best part about owning a business is you have the flexibility, you can work when you want, you know, those kind of things. And yeah, that's all that's all good. But the personal growth and development that I have seen in myself is something that I just, I never expected that to be a benefit and to actually enjoy that benefit, even though there are days when it is extremely hard work. So when you say personal growth, like, does that kind of translate into probably a lot of things, but like confidence and increased self-esteem and so forth? Is that kind of what you mean? Exactly. Um, And also, Things that I never even imagined that I could accomplish um, while well, running a successful business in and of itself is um, an accomplishment. It is. That, you know, it, it, it just, <laughs> it, it is, and, you know, but it's also, I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm an introvert and to be able to do some of the things that I do, getting out there in front of people. Um, in particular, and then also, I mean, this interview here as well, that's, that's really stepping out of my comfort zone, but it is part of the personal growth that I've experienced, and I look forward to much more of that in the future. Well, you know, I really applaud you because um, it, is, um, it is so admirable for a person who is more introverted, more private, you know, to be able to step outside of their comfort zone. And as you said, like maybe doing something like an interview like this or going, you know, traveling hundreds of miles to present what you Mm -hmm. created to perfect strangers and give them an opportunity to evaluate it. I mean, you know, that's, that's one of the things that like a lot of people are afraid of public speaking or they're afraid of sales because they're afraid of rejection. So to be able to just do that, even though your nature is, is much more private and less inclined to do that, I, I can see what you're saying. I mean, that is just, that's inspiring. I would imagine it inspires other people as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do believe it does. Um, you know, because personally, I would rather be in the studio creating than, than getting out there in front of people. But that is such a, a important part of my business that um, you just do it. And, and one of the things that, that helps me to do it is the morning of a festival, you know, you, you point out that all these people are strangers. Most of them are, but I do have repeat customers. But one of the things that I do before I walk into my tent is I just kind of stand there and compose myself. Um, and then I, I, it, it's really silly, but I touch the top of the, the tent as far as I can reach up. And, and I just say, tell myself it's showtime. And that's where we go from there. And so every morning as I go into the tent, it's showtime. And in the afternoon, it's like, okay, I'm off. I can, I can relax. So it's, um, it, it's quite interesting. So you have like this little routine, this little kind of ritual almost that you go through before each show. Yes, I do. Okay. Well, that, that probably sets the tone then for the success and the confidence that you kind of walk in to things with. And because rituals for me kind of have a way of doing that. Like they pump me up. I've heard that um, athletes, you know, if, if you watch them really closely too before a competition, and you watch, you follow any of them, you'll kind of see them doing the same thing to get ready 
over and over and over again. So it's kind of, kind of a similar thing for you, it sounds like. Yeah, you know, there, there's familiarity in the repetitiveness of um, creating, well, it's another system for me of creating that system to, to get ready to quote unquote go on stage or to, to put myself out there and do what needs to be done. So, Sandy, what did your husband think when you started a business? Like, I know because you guys were married for a long time with there's no entrepreneurship in sight. Like, and I would imagine at first he's like, oh, she's making some soap. That's cute. That's nice. I'm glad she's doing something that she enjoys. And then all of a sudden he's traveling around to festivals <laughs> and, you know, you're, you're actually a business owner. Like, was he surprised? Like, was he like, this, this is not what I expected, right? What was what was his response? Right, right. He has, he's pretty much always supported whatever I've chosen to do. Um, because one him. of the things we I love him. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things I like to tell him is that I keep his life interesting. So I, you know, with that being said, I have to, I have to keep his life interesting. So if it means entrepreneurship, <laughs> then so be it. Um, it's <laughs> definitely the job of a wife. We make it interesting, honey. <laughs> it's not hard right right but but he <laughs> but he has always always been supportive um you know uh and and i can't ask for anything more than that for him to support what i choose to do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so your product line sandy tell us a little bit about your product line so if we go to your website at thepurplesage.com what can we buy you are going to find the most luxurious soap you have ever put on your hands, your face, or your body. Um, we also have a fantastic lotion that, um, well, I'll give you a little bit of backstory. I used to never use lotion because it was always too greasy and I felt like you had to wipe it off because it never sunk in. We have a product that sinks in and literally, if you needed to put lotion on and then pick up a pen to write out uh, note or something, the pen is not going to slip out of your hand. It soaks in so well and is not greasy. And I get that feedback and comments from my clients all the time that they love how it absorbs into their skin. Um, and then we have a little fun product called Tickle Your Feet. It's a peppermint foot butter. And I like to tell people it really works well if you have someone else that can massage it into your feet after a long, hard day. That usually gets quite a few chuckles. And then um, one I'm of the products that I'm most proud I'm definitely of. definitely ready for yeah. not having to <laughs> massage my own feet. <laughs> definitely want someone else. Right, right. You know, <laughs> right. It, it just makes all the difference in the world. And the product works a hundred times better. Don't ask me how or why. It no. just does. Yep, yep. <laughs> yes. And then uh, the, the product. You have, you have like collections. Like, so we can go and get one of, what's it, five collections? What are those collections and what do they, what do they mean? Like there's, there's like ideas around them, right? And right, right. We have five collections. It's balance. Courage, harmony, stress relief, and wisdom. Um, and which one's the best? And seller? what which those represent? Are the... Oh, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm all excited Always. about which ones. Which Always. one we should all go and buy now? <laughs> <laughs> Always, the best seller is balance and stress relief. Those two are my top 
top sellers year round. Um, But each woman goes through different phases in their lives and and the balance, the courage, the stress relief, the harmony, wisdom that represents the different seasons of our life, you know, because it's sometimes when, you know, life gets really, really hectic. You need the stress relief Um, when there's something really uh, going on in your life and you're not really sure what to do. You need wisdom. Then there are times in your life where you just want balance you know, so, and in the the courage, there are days where you need courage just to get up and get out of bed and get on with your life. You know, it just depends on where, where you're at in your life. And so each of the five collections represents a season, seasons that women go through in their lives. Um, girl, in all of those seasons at the same time, <laughs> pick just one. Some of us can be, yes. <laughs> Every single day is so different. So, so that's great. Okay. That, I, I love that because as women, that, that is so true that like one day could be totally balanced and the next day it's like, I need some courage and some wisdom and some balance. And, you know, it's just yes. any given day yes. can change so much. So it's nice. So great to have those options. Um, what fun, what fun. And then you have a signature product called the Bubble O. Tell us about that. Right. Bubble is our signature product. Uh, it was a product that I created after listening to what my customers wanted. Um, and, and basically what it boils down to is most of most women, myself included, would not take a bubble bath or a very relaxing bath in the tub until we were ready to clean the tub because of the residue that was always left in, in the tub. So when I created Bubble O, that was my primary focus is that it does not leave any greasy, slimy residue in your tub ever. And we used it for 30 plus days straight without cleaning the tub. Okay. Exactly. Uh, So it's been well tested for that. Like what is it? Bubble O is, it's like um, bath bombs, but it's more of a powder. It has more, uh, it does have oils and butters in it. It has powdered buttermilk in it. So it's really good for your skin if you want to just sit and soak and play with the bubbles, which is what I do quite often. Um, if, if, if that's what you mean, what's in it, it's, um, it has mango butter and jojoba oil and uh, cocoa butter. So awesome. generally those butters are heavy and would stay on the rim of your tub, you know, but it does not with this product. Okay, this is great. So, and they come in each of the five uh, collection fragrances. So you can choose, and I've seen the colors. The colors are really pretty when you go to the website. It's a really, really pretty collection of colors. So, so that is great, Sandy. We can't get Bumbolo anywhere Thank you. else. And I love that name too. Like it's reminiscent of your uh, Louisiana heritage too, right? That Bumbolo. <laughs> It it is, and it was just a play on, you know, when I created it, it was like, so what do you call it? Well, it, it bubbles. It's not a bath bomb, so I didn't want to go that route with it. Um, and it was just something whimsical that I could put out there that would make it help it stand apart from other products as well. Great job. Great job. Thepurplesage.com. You guys have to go and check it out. So, Sandy, listen. So here we are, you are nine years into your business, a new entrepreneur, a new maker, someone who is so excited and on fire for their business. She comes up to you and she says, I am so excited about my business. 
What is the one piece of advice that you could give me today that I could implement right away that will help me be successful? How would you answer her? Okay, if I can only give one. Um, I would have to say, take the time, spend the time creating your and, and gathering names for your email newsletter, simply because it's the, the, the easiest thing you can do. It's relatively inexpensive. And if anything ever happens to any of the other social platforms, you still have a business because you own those names on your email list. But what do I say to them? That's the next question, by the way. What do I say in my newsletter? What do I say? You talk to them like they like they are your best friend. Um, oh, that's good. And that's good. Yeah, I mean, it it doesn't have to be complicated. When I was first starting to do video, I remember the the video. Uh, I was all nervous, of course. Oh, I'm still nervous when I do it, but. He kept telling me, just pretend like you're talking to April. April's one of my best friends. Just tell April. Just tell April all about it. And that was like, it was like it unleashed this stream of conversation. <laughs> so all I just had to remember not to actually say her name as I was talking. So that's really <laughs> It's like, well, tell you all about this April girl, then we would have to go back and redo the shoot. But, um, but that's really good advice. Right, right. Yeah, make, you know, pretend like you're talking to someone who knows you and loves you and who you already have a relationship with. And it becomes easier to establish the relationship with the customer. Is that kind of how it works? Correct, exactly. Um, because when you, when you, when you um, be yourself, and you're talking to someone who likes, knows, and loves you, your guard is down. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're trying to create a business, you either have a product or service you're trying to sell. But when you talk to a friend, it's not selling. Um, it's just sharing your enthusiasm and your excitement. Oh, gosh. That's such a good way to look at it, too, because I think we all, if we're honest, have this thing in the back of this this uh like tape that we play in the back of our heads when we are in a sales setting that nobody's going to care and nobody's going to listen and i really just sound really obnoxious like a used car salesman today and uh so <laughs> a friend makes it a little bit different exactly exactly because we don't want to be that slimy used car salesman that uh, because that's not going <laughs> to sell product or services Absolutely. No. So what's on tap for the future of the Purple Sage? Where where are you going? Like, what's the next nine years going to be like, Sandy? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, I would like to maybe um, create some new products uh, in addition to what we already have. And if that means some products have to be retired, then so be it. Um, but I see it getting into um, really connecting with modern midlife women and uh, riding that wave with them as we all begin um, or continue the aging process mm -hmm. um, and to help midlife women age gracefully. <laughs> I know, it's just <laughs> <laughs> We're going to end this podcast. Exactly. Well, you know... <laughs> 
No, but you know what? Here's the thing. Like, I love the fact that we are living in an age now, actually, where, you know, the, the, there's, a, um, there's a, um, a lot of uh, resurgence, I would say, about uh, the, the impact that a person who has some mileage on them, you know, 40, 50 years of life, you learn a lot. And it's um, so interesting to me to see, and I think I'm seeing this, that society today is embracing that in a new way. Like it seemed like for, for a period of time, there was less acceptance and respect for it. But as the years go by, and I think we're moving into a new age of enlightenment where people who have that experience are considered really much more um, as trusted and valued mentors than as potential, um, you know, statistical numbers that are a, uh, a part of society whose time has passed. You know what I mean? Right, right. And I think, I think you're, you're exactly right. But I think the reason that's coming about is because we are not following in our mother's and grandmother's footsteps. Mm -hmm. And we are, I I don't want to use the word demanding, but maybe it's commanding the respect that our age and our wisdom commands, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, I I really feel that way because it's like, yeah, you, you look back and it's like, you look at women with our experience, our wisdom, our age, and you look back, you know, 20 or 30 years, they were not out as bold. And I think that's what it boils down to is we are so much bolder um, than previous generations. And so we are commanding that, that society as a whole takes another look at us and doesn't consider us washed up sitting on the, you know, front porch in our rockers with our gray yeah. hair because I am yeah. not going to have gray hair. Well, and I think, I think because yours is always going to be purple, right? But I think that... that exactly. That what, That's why I'm not having gray hair. Exactly. <laughs> what, what we see too, I think is, um, you said, uh, you know, I think the internet has helped to bring this about because it has extended the opportunities and expanded the opportunities that the traditional workforce has phased out at like age 65, like there's a quote unquote mandatory retirement age. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. I hate that term retirement. I just, that's a whole nother podcast, but um, you know, there's that quote unquote age that is right, right. That is set in there. So many traditional businesses run on that. And because of the internet, we are no longer constrained as a society by what other people have defined for our lives. And we can, as you said at the beginning, like build a business around the kind of lifestyle we want and it can last as long as we last. Like it doesn't have to ever stop. And that is, that is just so exciting. Um, and so your target audience is those people. And so how energizing it must right. be to really be serving them. So I'm excited about, about that. And you really, really diving into that for, like we said, the next nine years. And of course, beyond, um, because there's so many people out there that, that fit that description. And it's a very exciting time for them. So thank you so much, Sandy, for being here with us today and telling us about 
little bit about your journey at the Purple Sage. And we're just super excited to see what you do next and um, get that wisdom and that balance and that courage um, from Sandy. And don't forget to check out that bubble, right, girl? Yes, indeed. And I uh, wanted to say thank you, Don Maria, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, I hope this episode of the Indie Business Podcast left you inspired, motivated, and excited about the future of your small business. Let's quickly review three of the most important, significant business insights Sandy and I discussed today. First, plan and systematize everything. It's a basic tip that makes a big difference. Sandy says that she uses a paper planner to write things down so she doesn't miss a beat in terms of her schedule and events. She also maintains separate notebooks with all of her recipes and product processes. She describes this as the gold of her business. What gets written down gets done and done correctly, and this is great advice for any entrepreneur. Number two, take advantage of opportunities to meet and talk with your customers. While traveling to shows and selling at events is a lot of work, Sandy says she loves it because it gives her an opportunity to sell her products in ways that are not possible online. Standing in front of customers forces her to sell and gives her a chance to really get to know her target customers. There's nothing like face-to-face and the energy that comes from connecting and showcasing the benefits of your products in person. And number three, develop and maintain an email marketing strategy. Sandy said that if she could only give a new entrepreneur one single piece of advice, it would be to set up and use an email newsletter to nurture and maintain relationships with customers and prospects. I definitely echo that advice, as I have been publishing a newsletter for nearly 20 years and totally agree with Sandy that the value of making this investment as early as possible in your business is really just a no-brainer. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with share it with someone you know and help spread the word. This podcast is all about the indie business revolution, where people are breaking the mold of traditional entrepreneurship and creating success on their own terms. I'm so excited to be on this journey with you. And if you're listening in Apple Podcasts, won't you do me the favor of rating this podcast? It helps me so much to know that you appreciate the amazing people and stories featured on the Indie Business Podcast. You can also share episodes from the blog at IndieBusinessNetwork.com to your favorite social media outlets. I will see you on the next episode of the Indie Business Podcast. In the meantime, break all the rules, build your own corporate ladder, and create the life you love.